This episode is powered by Voxite.com. If you are a medium to large business looking for custom web design with personalized service, visit Voxite.com, bringing businesses and brands to life on the web. My online art portfolio, print shop, and this podcast website was all designed by Voxite, so head over and check them out at V-A-U-X-I-T-E.com. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, I am in my art studio with Lee Hendry, and she is a curatorial consultant and arts writer, as well as the past Tennessee State Museum Director of External Affairs. And that's a mouthful. (laughs) But today we talk about truth. And from a very early age, we are told to always tell the truth. But who actually determines what truth is? What happens in adulthood when the truth becomes blurred or even hurtful? How do we approach this and accept truth in our lives? I hope you enjoy the episode as Lee and I enthusiastically start to question what truth really is. There are also show notes at kayamis.com, so go ahead and hop over there to episode number nine and let us know in the comments what you think. For those those of you who don't really know me yet, I am Kristen Yamis. I'm an artist and advocate in Nashville, Tennessee. I work to create large-scale paintings and installations that inspire community and compassion. And you may know me from this nomadic project where I traveled and painted in all 50 states, or my Socratic Dialogue collection where I paint in response to the questions I ask society. So yes, this podcast is part of that. And of course, my most inclusive art series and probably most well-known, is the Llamas Art Show, where I ask Como te llamas, based on my last name, Yamas, and it means, what is your name? Everyone from everywhere has a name, and when you tell me about your name, I create it as a llama portrait. And this collection is playful in imagery, but the goal is to make sure that everyone everywhere can be heard, because despite our differences, we are all one herd here on Earth. And you can become part of this project by submitting your name at llamasart.com. And you can also go pick up the book, Como Te Llamas, Everyday Llamas, you might know. It's at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or really anywhere books are sold. And that book contains the artwork from this project. In addition, I am super excited because next week I have an exhibit that opens in Nashville. It is a solo show, and if you guys don't know me very well yet, this is a time to come get to know me because October 3rd um, from 6 to 9 is the art opening for this exhibit, and I'll be there. We'll have live music and drinks, and I'll actually be painting a llama live. So go check out my events page at kayamis.com to purchase your tickets. It's at the Studio 208 Gallery, which is just right downtown in Nashville. And I can't wait to see you guys all there. If you guys have been listening to the Socratic Dialogues podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is where I love to listen to my podcasts, Um, Just go ahead and pause this now because you can head over there and leave a review and I'll wait for you. So go on. Okay. Thank you.
<laughs> I really appreciate it, guys. Your reviews really matter to me. So definitely do that if you have not yet. Or if this is your first show, head over there after the show. So thank you all for tuning in. And here is What is Truth? We are creatively tapping into philosophy. Okay, so here goes nothing. In a world where everyone has Stop. a podcast. No, that is not the intro. I thought you wanted an intro that was dramatic. Go. From her art studios. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is Kristen Yamas coming to you from my art studio in Nashville, Tennessee. This is the Socratic Dialogues podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Yamas, and I'm here in my art studio today with a good friend, Lee Hendry. Hi, Lee. How are you? Hi, Kristen. I'm great. Thanks for having me out. Good. I'm so glad you could make it out to my little farm studio out here. You left the city today. <laughs> yeah, out. the city slickers came to the country today. It's beautiful. It's sunshiny and spring has sprung and all mm-hmm. the beautiful blooms are out. And, you know, people with allergies are dying. But the rest of the world <laughs> is just digging every second. Of it's it. a double-edged sword. It it's like, it's is, spring, yes. finally. Yeah, and then I can't sure. go outside because it's so yeah, full of pollen. Yeah, but it's beautiful. And it's, it's a, just a glorious day. It is. It's gorgeous. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. Um, so, Lee, you were, you're recently retired. Yes. You were the ex- Director of External Affairs at the Tennessee State Museum, and that's how we met. Yes. And then now you are working as a curatorial consultant and I an am. arts writer. So mm. tell me just a little bit about, usually I ask first, like, como te llamas? I want to know a little bit about your name. And, of course, it's part of my llama project and if you identify with it and then a little bit about what you're doing now how you got to where you are today okay well first of all according to my mother the spelling of my name l-e-i-g-h is the english spelling i don't know if that's true but it's was been a bit of a difficult name on occasion for some people who would call me leech and leia and leah and (laughs) all kinds of versions and i'd go it's just lee and they're like Oh, but it's spelled funny. And I'm like, yes, it is. So, you know, it was just a, a great conversation starter. And um, I've enjoyed having it. I don't know if LEE would have been an easier road to hoe. But mm-hmm. um, that's the story of my first name. It seems more feminine, though, the way it's spelled Yeah, with it's yours. one solid so syllable. Yeah. You can't beat that. Yeah. And uh, I, I was the director of external affairs at the State Museum, actually for 26.7 years. And then I happily retired. I've been in the museum business for um, 30, almost 35 years. I have worked at the private um, Knoxville Museum of Art, which had moved from a small gallery, the Doolin Gallery of Art in Knoxville, and then built a building and became the Knoxville Museum of Art on the World's Fair site before I got married and moved to Nashville a little bit against my will and <laughs> then of course love everything about it and why was it against your will what was um i loved knoxville i had gone to yeah. school and journalism school at university of tennessee knoxville and graduated from there and i loved everything about the area and the mountains and obviously i had a lot of friends there mm-hmm. i was very comfortable and you know at the time really and truly it seemed like knoxville was even a little bit cooler than nashville mm. so i wasn't overly excited about coming here but once I made that move and got adjusted to central time which was a little bit hard for me uh, my husband said that he knew I finally lived here when I 
quit saying what time is it real time no real time because yeah. you know you, we're so close uh, yeah, yeah. you know different. you don't think about it mm-hmm. the adjustment between eastern and central time uh-huh. but I, I noticed when I came here people they would like start going to lunch at 11 15 mm-hmm. and you know the news is on at like 5 30 right. or five o'clock and the it's the 10 o'clock news not the 11 o'clock news it was just such an adjustment and I've always been much more of a night person so it was particularly hard for me but mm-hmm. well, it gets dark so much early yes, I mean it, does. it seems like that one hour it makes a huge and difference. I saw this week that some city council person had proposed that we have daylight savings time in Davidson County all year round and I thought oh no that'll really mess me up oh my goodness that would make it so difficult I can't even figure out you know between California and New York and this and that if we don't change with daylight savings the whole rest of the country does so I don't don't know if that's gonna fly or not actually the person who proposed it is a personal Mm -hmm. friend of ours and I feel like I want to call them and go hey I don't know why we're doing that but uh, I'm certainly not in favor of that, as if what I wanted would make any difference, because it never does. But um, <laughs> That's not yeah. true. I've seen it firsthand. What you want makes a difference. Oh, no, well, you're nice. But uh, anyway, I'm thrilled to be out here in Smyrna, and I said yeah. it's probably been 20 or 25 years since I came out here. Oh, really? It's, a lot has changed, just like yes. Nashville. I no mean, kidding. everything's growing. We, we came out here for the country, and we can't yeah. even get away from all the growth. Well, you do have beautiful trees, though. Thank you. Around your it. house. That's so. why we bought the house. We bought this yeah. place because we actually didn't even go inside, and it was dark. It was already dark because mm. it was winter, Right. and I had left the office. I was doing the graphic design work, and by the time we could get here, which is right after you know I got out at 5, um, so it's like 5.30, we pull up, and it's dark, and I, we walk up the back deck, and I just see in the shadows these looming trees, and right. I'm like, and they, of course they were bare because it was winter, and I'm like, this is it, and we didn't even have to walk in the door, and of course the whole house, we remodeled the whole thing, I mean, I can tell. it was, yeah, it it's was adorable. just kind of, you know, didn't really have much character, it was just kind of cookie cutter, but, and that was, of course, a process. Well, you know, it, it is all about the trees, as we saw mm-hmm. recently in Nashville, they, there was a big controversy because they were going to cut down, I think, 20 cherry trees along the riverfront yes. where they were going to put a huge stage for the NFL draft. And when the, the voters in the city found that out, they went absolutely nuts and mm-hmm. started just raising cane. And uh, now they've changed that plan a little bit. They were going to move some and not cut down as many. But mm-hmm. uh, I laughed when all that happened. And I said, well, you know, funnily enough, I used to write this crazy column when I was in high school for the, the local newspaper, and it was called, Ridiculously, Do You Read Me? What a name. But I guess <laughs> some, some people liked it. But primarily, looking back on it, most of the columns I wrote were about trees. Really? Yeah, yeah. you know, and it, well, this was in uh, Sevier County at the foot of the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg. Mm-hmm. And so even at that time, and I did graduate from high school quite a while ago. Uh, it, it was in 1974, so you do the math. But um, trees even then were a very big issue, and mm-hmm. we all were, people my age, very concerned about them cutting the trees down then, mm-hmm. you know, for developments and uh, hotels and that kind of thing. So 
for my whole life, it's all been about the trees. That's so great. Well, yeah, and so and even with the construction side of it, so you said yeah. in Knoxville, you were a part of the museum when it became when they bought yes. the building. Yes, and they they built the building. They built on the, the World's building. Fair site. Yes, and then also they built they recently built a new Tennessee State Museum. Yes, they and did. You were kind of you retired kind of right as that was happening. Well, just so right as it that, finished. Actually. Right as it finished. So what uh, does that process look like for a museum when it? Well, you know, um, it opened. I retired a year and a half ago. Uh, but I was in the whole planning process of the new building, and I was the representative for the museum on those committees that selected the architect mm-hmm. and the exhibit designer and um, the key people that were going to, or the key teams that were going to be part of the building project. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine that's a $140 million building as opposed to the one in Knoxville, which was more like a $30 million mm-hmm. building. But, um, Either way, if you're involved in one of those projects, it's very exciting and, you know, it's great to do and it's a lot of fun and it's an eye-opening experience. But I have found over my lifetime, I've been involved in some big projects, all of which somehow um, touched on construction. And the one thing I do know, it's really, to be honest, much more fun to be involved in that process and getting it done than it is to actually run the day-to-day operation not that that's why i mean i was ready to retire Uh, i've worked crazily for (laughs) 35 plus years and i could do it and my husband Mm was um you know doing less now and really picking his clients and choosing and Mm -hmm. so well what does your husband say about you you're either oh i have two speeds flat out wide open and dead in the bed that's (laughs) true (laughs) so oh uh, yeah and i'm pretty sure most of our planning and text conversations happen at like three and four in the morning yeah (laughs) always very late well i don't know that could have been daylight Mm -hmm. savings time but uh yeah well you're a night person too obviously so it's and, never a problem for me. That's yeah, I get yeah. going. That's right. So, yeah. Once you get rolling, let's roll. Mm-hmm. But then when you're ready to fall over, you know, do that with right. gusto, of course. Right? <laughs> exactly. And then maybe you don't wake up until noon, but you're back at it. Yeah, you know, so, I could have been yeah. in the music business. Yeah, <laughs> I there always you go. said that when I moved here. I'm like, I, and I love writing and mm-hmm. lyrics and songs and and music, of course, and songwriters and singers. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, that would have been a that would be a good alternative. I said mm-hmm. that um, I'm opening chapter five in life oh very yeah. cool well so. tell me a little bit about first the the writing because we're kind of talking about we said we talk about truth and beauty kind of intertwined but um as far as the writing goes what kind of stuff are you writing now and how do you kind of weed out what you know facts you want to share or information you want to share well i have been doing some arts writing very selectively for uh, a publication here Uh, which basically, you know, you go, you're looking at someone's collection or you're writing about an artist themselves and their studio and what kind of art they do. Um, I'm only doing the things that I want to do. So I have the luxury now of just, you know, if you see me doing it, it's because I decided Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there and not because it was a command performance of some kind. It's so, a good place to be. Well, and then yeah. you can be a little bit more selective exactly. on the, the pro- projects, and you can yeah. put your passion into them. Exactly. Versus, just I mean, I was always pretty good at saying no, but I've mm-hmm. really gotten even better at it mm-hmm. in the last seventeen months or so, and I'm enjoying that. And I have some, I have new baby family members, mm-hmm. East Coast, West Coast, and Norway. So the North Coast, as we say, and. We are enjoying traveling around and 
getting to go see them and just have fun and not have a lot of work pressures. Yeah. And it's just such a different life, right. you know, that I have really never known yeah. in a very long time. So. Well, I bet the Tennessee State Museum misses you, though, because you are such a presence. Oh, thanks. You world. know, I don't know. I think when you leave that, you know, somebody else <laughs> steps in and they just go and it's done and you did what you did while you were there and you Hopefully know. they're doing they're doing as much. I mean, we met when it was, oh gosh, what was it? It was like 2013. Yeah, or maybe earlier. Well, yeah, maybe earlier. We were working on um, the project together. The lady that sat at our front desk mm-hmm. knew that I would talk to anyone. And so the people that would just appear there <laughs> uh, without appointments or, you know, knowing who they were talking to or just had some crazy question, if mm-hmm. I was available, they would always come and get me first because, you know, I will talk to anyone or rave at anyone or whatever. Um, I'm a lot like a puppy. I'm very friendly. But <laughs> she came back and she said, uh, Lee, there's a young lady and a man at the front desk. And they wanted to talk to someone about painting. It, it seems like they have painted all over the country. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she goes, actually, I'm not sure. She's like, could you see them in the conference room? I'm like, sure, bring them in there. So we did that. And, of course, I immediately fell in love with Kristen. And now they're young. And I love working with people who are younger. You know, you just have that spirit and that feistiness. And, I don't know. I could barely and, keep up with you half the time. <laughs> and those ideas and, you know, just that yeah. spark and the energy and mm-hmm. and the wherewithal to say, this is a crazy thing I thought of, and not only did I think of it, but I'm going to do it. And so I always appreciated that, and it was great to hear about the Nomadic Project and the things that y'all had done, which I found to be absolutely amazing. And if I'm not mistaken, you had painted a painting for every single state in, in the Union, and that we then acquired the Tennessee painting. Yes. Am well, right? it was no. You actually, it was the North Carolina one. Oh Remember? Oh gosh, we, I'm so sorry. Yes. It was no, we we got the North Carolina because you and I had that connection to Franklin, North in the Carolina, in the Highlands. Al and I got married at in Highlands, and so when you saw the collection, you're like, I really want the North Carolina. one. Well, see, what can and, I say? You see how how you great. remember things yeah. that happened twenty something years ago. But it's awesome because the whole point of that project was about blurring borders and connecting, and because we touch North Carolina, Tennessee. Well, in, North Carolina, in the olden days, I think we were part of North Carolina. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'd have to you know, um, I'm pretty sure the state of Franklin. I'm pretty sure we were at a least, part of everything. You, well, yeah, of course. Well, you know, amazingly, Tennessee, I always say, has always mm-hmm. been in the vanguard of something. Mm-hmm. It's surprising for such a little skinny state, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in the middle of the country yes. that we brought such an interesting sort of energy to bear. Well, is it true that we touch the most amount of states? And they that say that. I think our, it's seven. I think, now, I don't yeah. think I can name them without looking at a map. No, but I think, but I think I believe, it's more than any other state because yeah. a lot of states only touch like, you know, four or five different states. Well, you know, we're yeah. always spreading out to do something. We are. We're branching out. And we, that's why we made ourselves yeah. so long. It's like reaching your arms exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> Let me touch you. <laughs> we are branching out. Yeah. Well, and okay, I love that idea too because when we worked together on the first project it was the paper portrait lantern oh my god that was so fun yes and that was part of jr the street artist jr's inside out project the entire concept 
was to create this globally interactive And I don't project. think a lot of people now still remember what that was, so you I should know. probably yeah, like okay. just, just capsulize that or yeah. give them a quick recap on what that was. At the right. time, it was a really big deal. Well, and it's still going. So the interesting thing is like, because I was just on their website yesterday because I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit, but um, just to give you guys an idea of what we're talking about, so... JR is a street artist. He actually won the TED Prize at a TED conference. Uh, he did a TED Talk and everything. It's a ten, TED conference in Long Beach, California. And this was back in 2011, and which okay. makes sense because I was all gung-ho. And I was like, how did we not do this in Nashville yet? Because what he he proposed in this TED Talk was that um, he wanted to create an art project with the potential to change the world and basically affect everyone. And he said... Can art change the world? Maybe we should change the question. Can art change people's lives? Oh, I love that. And that is a perfect quote because if you're changing people's lives one at a time even, you're changing the world. So with these projects that he's doing, he was a photographer and he did this black and white portrait series and he would take photos of individual people's faces and paste them up. He did all the paper pasting on the walls of um, to do these street art projects and he would put up their portrait and then also um, ask them to declare something that you know something that means something to them like stand up for a cause and so individually he's getting each person's face on the wall but they're as a collective standing up for a cause and it's now been and he's asked all over the world to participate you can go on the website and put together they call them an action so you Mm -hmm. put together an action and you submit um they'll even print the photos for you we had them print we took we had photographer um uh Daniel Perry yeah, from exactly. New York. Yeah, yes. Who still lives there now. Yes, Daniel Perry. And I haven't talked to him in ages, but he is an amazing photographer. So um, he came and he took all the pictures and we had these parties. It was great. And then now there's over 260,000 people that have participated. And that's over 129 countries. Well, you so, know, when, when we did it in Nashville, mm-hmm. it was such a different kind of thing. And it was mm-hmm. such a different city then. It was much more, I think, conservative. They, It was not really a place where you stepped out with sort of cutting-edge projects at that yeah, time. They did them at, They had them more thing. at the airport. And I think that's mm-hmm. when Susan Knowles might have been running that project, who was, you know, has a great vision for art. Mm-hmm. Um, but here definitely no one had really done any kind of street art so it was uh, very much a big deal in terms of people were kind of raising their eyes like what are y'all doing but I remember that we wanted to put them down the center of the median on Mm -hmm. the street that fronts the the old museum on Dedrick Street and I had to ask the mayor luckily the mayor was a man of great vision you went straight to the mayor I loved it and was also on our museum foundation board so I knew him personally and I sketched it out for him and his response was excellent I'll never forget it he said I like it and you know because I I had written him I don't know five or six very intense paragraphs about what it would do and what it was Mm -hmm. and you know my very convincing proposal and he just said I like it I like it and that's all you needed I died laughing yeah in fact that would be great for a t-shirt for anything and anybody to wear I like it because think of what a conversation started that would be you like what what do you like right oh that could be good for your podcast so we might have to do another one next year right yeah and then and it's such an open-minded kind of yeah like 
thing yeah. to say, you know, just, I like it. You Instead know, of you saying know. what you don't like, tell me what you do right, like. Right. I used to say at uh, work, tell me what I did right. You know, the one thing you can think of that I did right, because I'll be far more receptive to hearing the 300 things that I did wrong mm-hmm. if you tell me that one thing I did right. That's all you need. Yeah, start out with the good. All right, yeah. tell me what you like best, yeah. and then what can I improve on? Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. And um, so when you, you got the mayor's proposal, now the only yeah. thing that we struggled with, and we... Because, you know, Nashville, they hadn't done murals yet. No, we hadn't nowadays, done anything. Nothing. Could you imagine, though, nowadays trying to do the paper pastings, the glue the glue paste that they do with the paper? No. That would be, but that would that's a temporary thing. Oh, yeah. Now they're doing all these murals. That's way more permanent than what we were trying to do. But I we, can't believe we even theme, have murals. I mean, it's amazing. I know. And it's gone nuts. And, and, and then the scene for the visual arts have gotten just amazing here. But at the time, the idea of putting paste and... You know, I think it's wheat paste glue that they oh, use yes. and everything. And these paper portraits That raised a lot of eyebrows. Was, yes, that it was thought. concerning. So we had to get creative. We still, well, we wanted to bring this And you were so creative. In fact, I think it was even groovier, if you ask me. I think, I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, I love all of the different projects. And they're so different around the world I wish world they could now. see a picture of yeah. the paper lanterns. That, we'll have to link to it. Well, first of all, they were not a lantern size. They were more human size. Yeah. And, they were um, three foot by four foot. Yeah, like. Like they tall. were the size of a, a, a nice LG dishwasher <laughs> or washing machine or dryer. Yeah. It was, in fact, I think they might have been a little bigger than that. Yeah, they were. Yeah, because yeah. we had them then on the stilt things yeah. and we didn't poke them yeah, in It was so hard. creative. Definitely yes. put that link up there for I people. Will. And if yeah. y'all are listening and you don't click that link, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to really be missing out <laughs> on seeing you. something that, that was such... A great moment in time. <laughs> it was wonderful. And then the lights would turn on because they yeah. were solar powered. Yeah. And they would kick on and it was meant to be temporary. So yeah. one of the things, a little hidden secret we put in each each paper box because we knew once the minute it rained or people, you know, yeah. would vandalize them, which was kind of part of it. Right. But, you know, we didn't want to tell the city that. We wanted them to think right. it would just be perfect all the time. Of course. But Al and I were like, we were going daily. We went downtown daily and documented them. And so anytime someone, a person drew a monocle on one of them oh, right. which is cool did we get and any mustaches i didn't see any mustaches, i'm surprised but yeah but there are different things and then um then there was like somebody must have ridden their bike down and punched through a side of each but it was actually really cool some of the pictures we got because inside we put that pink flower oh, yeah, so it's like that was the surprise yes and so it melted with the rain so you were the mover and shaker and making all that happen, obviously, because you cut through the, all the red tape. And then those temporary pieces, they exposed that pink flower in there. Yeah, it was um, so cool. Yes, and I love the idea of, you know, talking about the beauty of it, but then also the idea of these layers that we peel away oh, and yeah. expose, because I think it relates so well to truth. It does. And I liked... Like the, the big onion of life. Exactly, or, yeah. yeah. And so, and you've seen the truth painting, which is the shell that cracks open the egg. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it like pours out. Um, but um, one of the things that, when I was thinking about truth, and I'd like to get your thoughts about this, is I was wondering about, so for instance, J.R.'s project where he had each individual person portrayed. Um, how different can truth be from person to person? Can we each have our own individual truths or versions of the truth? Definitely, uh, because as we've seen in recent history, everybody has their own version of the truth. And certainly I can sit here across the table from you and 
we can see what we think is the same thing. And then when you go back and someone asks you about it, there's 180 degrees of difference. And it's so confusing. You are sitting there thinking, wait a minute, we both just saw the same thing. How could they have such a different report from mine? Mm-hmm. And Well, and how do we decipher what the truth really is then ever? How do we get to the bottom of it? I'm not sure that you can. Yeah. And certainly in the country, I think what we would call our collective truth mm-hmm. has um, melted away in recent times in that I, I don't think there is really a core collective truth anymore. I think it's yeah. it's clearly whatever you just got up that morning and decided it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's in, very convenient. Right. <laughs> I'll say that. Yes, we can read the same words. We can see the same things. Well, and um, how much does truth t- change over time? So, for instance, you know, I, I had the hardest time when we were traveling because we would read all of these historical accounts in school growing up. You know, I learned about these different battles or things that took place. And then when I would go out and see, like, for instance, I actually went to, it used to be called the Battle of Wounded Knee. Yes. It's now changed to the massacre at Wounded Knee Uh. because the accounts of history at first depicted it as like it was an actual battle, but the reality was no one was armed on the other side. So yeah, that there can't was no be a battle. battle. Yeah. So, I mean... The, it was a, a march. Yeah. And not in a good way. Right. And so if the truth changes over time, it kind of reminds me of like the telephone game, yeah. you know? And I've thought about like before the written word, when yeah. stories around the fire were just told. All right. So what happens there? And how does anyone ever... Like, how can we ever define... I'm not sure that that's possible. You know, Mm -hmm. if you say that beauty's in the eye of the beholder, I think even more so truth is in Mm -hmm. the eye of the beholder. And it's gotten to be, there's so many different truths. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. There's no collective truth. Right. So is anything true? Is there anything you can state for a fact that is true? Maybe something inconsequential. Or, you know, I don't know if we had an apple sitting there. Would I see that it was my favorite kind, the Honeycrisp, and you mm. would just see that it was an apple? Mm, yeah. Or even color. Yes. So oh, we particularly all color. color. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's something that I could say, oh, well, this is blue. Well, no, it's not. You know, and it, you could go through 15 different things. And then also, what about if I say it's blue, and then someone who speaks Spanish come in and says, no, it's azul. <laughs> so right. then what? Which blue yeah. sounds so pretty in Spanish. I know. Doesn't Spanish, it? Spanish, yeah, it's a pretty language. Um, but yeah, so if we, if we can't define truth, just like beauty, how do you think that we should go about living truthfully? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's probably more difficult than one might assume. Mm-hmm. Is it within our own environment, do you think? Possibly. I think that you have to follow your heart, and hopefully you've been brought up by caring and um, educated parents who gave you a vision about the world and encouraged you to seek your own opinions, Mm -hmm. and that you've cared enough instead of making a snap judgment to really investigate something more deeply than the top layer of the onion before you made your determination as to what was the truth on that right well and then you have a background in journalism so did did that were there any instances where that came out where truth either 
was you were in a search for it or maybe it even got you into trouble when it was exposed that oh, well i think you could say obviously i didn't go into reporting as a career but there are a lot of journalists who have put their life on the line to report what they saw to be the truth which was probably not a popular concept with another part of the population Mm -hmm. say perhaps the people who were in charge Mm -hmm. and who could bring retribution against you Mm -hmm. either openly or behind your back right and um it's tricky times yeah well and so you have for instance you said you have babies in the family now which is so cool and i'm trying to figure out with my own three daughters how to raise them up as truthful, honest people. And of course, they go to school. Sometimes it's the students that they spend their days with or whatever. They're hearing all these, in their minds, facts. Because that kids take everything as fact. Of course. Um, Especially if it comes and, from an adult. Right. Well, and then... In- and even um, a construed fact, so Crimson, for instance, my night or my she's eleven now, um, my eleven year old, she will um, repeat back a story that she's, for instance, heard Al and I have, or a conversation that Al and I have had with someone. She will repeat that and tell the story, but it will she'll only understand maybe half the truth of it. Of course. Or you know, and so then I have to unravel and be like, oh wait 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 wait, you know. This was the full story. So partially, we've got the issue then of partial truths and maybe intentionally or unintentionally. She's not attempting, you know, like purposefully lying. That's just what she heard. Um, But if we are someone who is untruthful, do you, would we have to then know the truth in order to tell a lie? I think you do. Because it's kind well, of got to figure out the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like we said, everybody has their own version of the truth, but it does make things um, more treacherous as, <laughs> yeah. as you trip lightly through the tulips. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So maybe if we can kind of figure out like the idea of living truth, it's more of the intention of trying to be truthful. Clearly, but you know... As I think we discussed earlier, uh, the tone is set at the top, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that's in your government or your family or whoever your mentor may be or someone that you admire. And naturally, I think that children certainly emulate much more what they see than what they hear. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you're setting a good example, they're going to be watching everything you do. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not perfect. We, right. You hopefully try and want to do the right thing, but sometimes you might skirt the edge of the issue, mm-hmm. uh, depending upon if you, you know, sort of need things, if you need that truth altered just a little bit to suit whatever <laughs> the, the situation. The little white lies. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we all probably tell one or two a day. Oh, at least. Yeah, I'm sure. And sometimes not even trying to. Or maybe, like I said, the half-truth. Maybe you only tell part of the situation. Yeah. Is the other part good getting you into trouble? Yeah. And that makes me wonder, too, are we pretty much born liars? Like, is that a natural thing? Because think about a child who, once they realize they could get in trouble for something. Right. My daughter, the youngest one, five, she's five now, she told me they broke a light bulb. Her and her little friend were playing, 
They just broke a light bulb in the room. They broke it on Friday. Yesterday, while I was putting her to bed, I found a piece of glass and I was like, what is this too? And she said, I, I said, why didn't you tell me? I would have vacuumed it up and you could have gotten hurt. She said, I thought we would have gotten in trouble. Yeah. And so she, she didn't deny it at the time, but she didn't tell me. So technically she didn't lie. Yeah, don't we call that a sin of she omission? Just, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she just held that information back. But, I mean, it's ingrained in a very young child, you know. That Definitely. They sneak candy. We, I guess the important thing is that at that age she already knows what's wrong mm-hmm. or what's That's not true. permissible or what's something that, quote, might get you in trouble. But that you know, you're already spending time figuring out how to report some partial truth or version of the truth so that you <laughs> don't, true. quote, get in trouble. Yeah, so I guess I am teaching her right and wrong. Yeah. She knows that. And she knows, you know. But, but I think that's a natural human instinct, clearly, mm-hmm. because we all have seen it in ourselves and others. So maybe it's on a gene chip. I don't yeah. know a lot about. Or survival mechanism, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That you're always looking to avoid trouble. Right. Well, I guess if you were looking to survive, there was lots of trouble spots out there. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true. Yeah. Well, and, and and I know because, and, and one of the reasons I connected with you is because you are very matter of fact and out front with how you feel and think. Yeah. And I love that because, and too, I am as well. Yeah, and, I definitely. Yeah. And so we joke about the fact, you know, like. I'm from the north, and so people always just assume it's because I'm northern, but you're not. No, you're from I'm not. Down here. I'm in Tennessee so, and through and through. Yeah, so there you go. So, I mean, it's not it's not even like a north and south issue, and we connect on the fact. It's a personality thing. We just yeah. feel, I don't know if it's like the courage enough to, to speak our minds or think our minds, but that's gotten me into a lot of trouble. There oh, have been me times too, but where, you know, we're all living on borrowed time, so how much time <laughs> do you have to waste with with not telling it as it is. Yeah. Is there ever a point that you would maybe think that we shouldn't tell the truth? Like if it's hard Well, you know, I, I don't like hurting anyone's feelings ever. Mm-hmm. But the person that says, does this make me look fat? Don't ask that question. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I mean, I think that every morning when I look in the mirror. But just don't ask the question. Don't put me on the spot. Don't go there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because... If you're asking the the question, you're thinking, yeah, that makes me look fat. So Mm -hmm. don't ask me because I'm not in that. I don't want to go there. (laughs) Well, and you're setting me up to have to lie. Yeah, setting me up for failure. (laughs) Yeah, well, we we talked about, we mentioned how Daniel Perry did the photography for the lanterns. He once said, if you don't like your picture, bring a better face. I think he told me that because I didn't care for my picture. (laughs) And he he said, I said, why'd you pick that one? He said, because we liked it. And I said, well, can I see the others? He's like, no, because you'll find one you like better. And I said, I'm certain that I would. That's so funny. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, you know, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask the question. Exactly. But some of us, we just can't help ourselves. We run straight to the edge, the brink of of the abyss and ask that <laughs> fatal question that you already knew the answer to really. Right. So if we're talking about it, then the idea of how do we accept truth? So for instance, like how do we accept something that um, somebody says, which is the truth and we actually accept it and apply it without maybe getting upset? 
Well, just to interject before I forget this, and it flies across my brain screen, I don't remember to say, when anyone asks me, does it make them look fat? Well, first, I wish you hadn't put me on the spot and answered the question, or asked the question, but let me tell you, the answer is always going to be the word no. Mm. <laughs> I mean, so the person that's asking is knowing that that's a little white lie, and that's yeah. the kind that we like. It's positive reinforcement. Right. And who doesn't need more of that yeah. every single day? That's true. But maybe maybe we change the way that we ask the question. Like, do you like this on me? Because, you know, sometimes I look fat on some things, but Al likes it. Like, you know, yeah. maybe doesn't flatter things that I care about. But he's yeah. like, oh, no, that's a great color on you. Or well, every, I like that it's low cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> Everybody has their own perspective. And see, mm. that goes back to the truth thing. So the truth is really... Uh, it's a matter of what is your perspective. Mm -hmm. And as we well know, our perspective is rarely going to lay right on top and match perfectly the outline of someone else's perspective. So mm -hmm. even if they're overlapping, it's not going to be a perfect fit. Right. Yeah. Well, and like I was saying about how do we even accept somebody's response or reaction or a truth that is told to us, um, there was, my aunt said once that if, that a true friend is a friend that will tr tell you the truth. And true. That makes sense. <laughs> true. Um, and sometimes it's maybe not the, what you want to hear. I mean, if, no. if you're going to do something that's going to get you in trouble or if you do something that, you know, makes you look bad or makes them look bad or is just wrong, like wrong in general, then a friend really should stand up and say, hey, you know, maybe you just hurt this person. You yeah, probably that's valuable. Yeah. Uh, I think you can tell the truth in a nicer, softer approach. Mm. It's like anything. It's all in the delivery. Yes. And that determines how it's going to be yes. received. The tact behind yeah. how you say and things. And I've also discovered over a very long lifetime of quite a few birthdays that you can say almost anything you want as long as you sort of say it with a smile or humor mm. in your voice <laughs> or as a point of, of comedy or some kind of laughter because gosh knows there's plenty to laugh at uh -huh. on the face of this earth. Yes. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. And right? there's a lot to cry about yeah, too. Yeah, there is, but you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? So yeah. if, if you, maybe if we're just, if we're focusing on the truth, but then also not taking ourselves so seriously. Definitely Because not. that, that's what gets us in trouble. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, especially in this day and age that's going on that we could maybe not even want to get out of bed in the morning because we know too many truths. Right. And there are things, and I tell Al, you know, he'll turn the news on or, you know, I'll hear about these things. Anything involving children, you know, in trouble or in danger or hurt or harmed or killed or separated from their families, all of that stuff, it destroys me. And so there are things that he knows just not to talk to me about for the sake of my, you know, general mental health. And... I'm fine. And I don't bury my head in the sand. You know, I'm an yeah. intelligent person. And I do know what's going on in the world. It's just, do I really need all of that infiltration into, you know, to, that affects my state of mind? Well, and your blood pressure. Right. Right. And your yeah. hormones, which mm -hmm. start to surge through your bloodstream. And according mm -hmm. to a friend of mine, you only have a finite amount of those hormone surges in a lifetime. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that's I don't know if that's true. That's what they said. Yeah. I don't know if that's the truth or not. But, you there know, it's go. funny because the minute they said it, I immediately believed it. Because I know yes. whenever I get fired up, I can feel all those hormones surging through my bloodstream. And I'm thinking, I hope there's a lot more of those coming down mm, the pike. Well, see, that's the thing that truth, if it makes sense to us, maybe it's not scientifically proven. Right. But then, you know, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I find myself... In a, like Al's this huge um, the book of facts. So he just randomly knows things about the craziest things. Every topic under the sun, he's got some little fact about. Uh-huh. And you know what? Our daughter Crimson's just like him. Uh-huh. I don't. I can't relate to either one of them. <laughs> but <laughs> no. So he's always just spouting out these facts, and I repeat them. I find myself repeating things, and it's it's almost as if if I read it or something, or if I researched it. And I don't know if it's a respect for believing that he's telling the truth or that he's done the research. Um, because well, there's... You, you, unlike not, some women, you clearly trust your husband. I do, well, yeah. And maybe to a fault. Uh-huh. Because I don't know. If, if you want, you know, if you really want to know the truth, I should probably look it up myself. <laughs> yeah, but who has time for all that? Although, thank goodness for the advent of the internet. Because my entire life, I've been like... You know, I had to have just all the answers immediately to everything. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you can just type it in and you don't have to get the Britannia Encyclopedia Mm -hmm. or the World Book out. Although there was a lot of value to that. And I think a lot of times that seeing something with your own eyes, as in reading it, you have better recall. And we all grew up with actual reading and holding a book in our hands mm-hmm. and holding a newspaper wow what a foreign concept mm-hmm. oh uh, totally. and i'm just i'm just thinking that it might uh have more of an effect yeah I in terms of too. long-term memory well and experiencing things so there's a lot of people Definitely. who think they know a lot about the world but they've never left their home state you know or their town or true so and that gets dangerous Because, you know, when, like I said about traveling, when we traveled, I I had this misconception about how this country was and the way people were, the landscapes and everything. And then I actually experienced it for myself and was able to make my own opinions. And I was like, wait a second, you know, this isn't how it always is. You know, this isn't exactly correct. And nothing is just black and white. There's always this gray area in between. That gray area is a very popular place. It is. And it's a very large one. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's wide, high, wide, and open. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that your whole studio is a lot of gray and white here. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of your favorite colors. And it's beautiful. Mm, Thank you. But, you know, you can kind of just wallow and swish around in there you don't have to come down on the factual side one way or the other there's yeah. a comfort in that i guess if yeah maybe if you if you can kind of lean towards the truthful yeah. side as close as you can oh i like that yeah. lean toward the truth you know i don't know if you remember this movie with jack nicholson but he told the girlfriend that he always told her some version of the truth that stuck with me and i thought <laughs> some version you know that's more comforting because if you know what you're getting is some version of the truth then you're not setting yourself up for that 100% of the truth. Right, which is great. And I feel like, you know, the minute I start to doubt someone's opinion or credibility is when they say they know for a fact something. Because even Socrates said, I know nothing. I mean, the minute you meet a know-it-all. Love that guy. Yeah. If you meet someone who's a know-it-all, you kind of like, 
Wait a second. Yeah, like, you He's him either a really good BSer or, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's a genius. He has a really high IQ, but still, nobody knows it all. And I think that shows ignorance if you of course proclaim it does. To. And I think the older you get, mm-hmm. the more you realize, and even more importantly, the more you're willing to admit. Yes. I don't really know as much as I thought I did mm-hmm. when I was 24. Mm-hmm. I don't know as much as I thought I did when I was 36. And in fact, um, let's keep learning. Oh, yeah, constantly. You know? Well, and questioning. questioning Definitely the, the questioning. Because is... we, yeah, because we're, we're raised, and especially when we're young, because you're, you're in such a bubble and you come out of this, this family unit, which seems pretty safe, and right. you've been taught these versions of the truth. But then to actually come out of that and start experiencing things. And, and encountering life. people that are telling you mm-hmm. a different version of the truth that you know. But then there's a lot of people who aren't at all open-minded and can't even Correct. learn from that. So and the, uh, my whole hope and goal, and even for this podcast, is that we'll start thinking about things in a new light because... None of us really know. I don't no, care don't. what you know, you've know. you been taught as a child, what your religion teaches you, what your history books teach you. You know, we weren't there. We don't know all of the truths of no, the world. No, we weren't. And, oh. of course, it's also reported in the eyes of the person who did the recording. Exactly. Yeah, history, history yeah. is written by the winners. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, you know, I just think as well that you become more forgiving. The older you get, mm. and um, maybe you don't need a hundred percent truth. Right. Although you know, from your leaders, I think it's kind of nice that they could lean way deep try. in toward the truth. Yeah, just try. Yeah, just and try to be um, just um, let do good, do yeah. right. I think, and that's the thing. The problem comes for me. Not when somebody says something that is not truthful, or it turns out you know you do the research and maybe they were wrong. It's when it's an intentional thing. And yeah. that's where, when I asked, do we need to know the truth in order to tell a lie? I think a lie is not when you say something and then we tell the opposite or t- tell something that we're, we're hiding the truth. That's when I think it's considered a lie. I don't think my daughter, who is, you know, interpreting a story incorrectly, is lying. Of course not. She's just, you know, misunderstood. And maybe that's where we have to just continue to keep searching for the truth yeah that intentional thing intentional misleading Mm -hmm. of other people is very unfortunate right not to mention wrong in my opinion Mm -hmm. right and it well yeah and then you've led this whole entire group astray depending on how vocal you are with your intentions (laughs) i think you have to keep your eyes open make all of your own decisions after Mm -hmm. you've taken in the information decide what it is that you believe and then you have to determine how vocal do you want to be mm-hmm. with your belief? And how stubborn do you want to be in not seeing yeah. anyone else's opinion? Because certainly your vocalness can come back to haunt you mm-hmm. in ways that you may not expect and um, certainly probably don't deserve. Right. Um, well, and I like to say even, okay, so say we believe we know the truth. Maybe instead of saying, you know, this is the information, like for instance, instead of instead of saying, Socrates Socrates said I know nothing Socrates is known to have said that he knows nothing because Socrates did not write anything down so So something as simple as that even when you you repeat a quote that you've heard and yet it's credited to Socrates 
But, you know, maybe Plato wrote it. So who knows what his opinion was or what how right. he twisted it. So The past is only as good as the person who recorded it. Mm-hmm. And depending upon their truthfulness and what kind of quote-unquote dog they had in the fight and how they wanted to spin that moment right. in history. Spin, you know, as in yarn spin yes. kind of thing. So maybe if moving forward we think to always kind of preface what our opinions are, what our, our truths are with well, what I believe. On the other hand, you have so much video now that <laughs> you can watch most of what transpired mm-hmm. with your own eyes. And But you even said you can see the same thing. You yeah, can sit that's there true. looking at the same thing and someone can interpret it differently. Absolutely. So, but, yeah. you know, we know it's all, it, it's what is your truth. And mm-hmm. we are finding out that those are very different things these yeah. days. There's a very great dichotomy in what is your truth. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. There's a lot of different versions of it out there. So I think, okay, we go, we, we're constantly searching for the truth, yeah. leaning towards the truth yeah. that, on that gray side. And then also um, proclaiming, you know, in my opinion or from my research or based on my experience, yeah. this is what I know as true. So that then, would be called landing on the truth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Landed on the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Lee, um, the only other question I want to talk to you about, because I know I've kept you here for a little bit. We had a lovely day, though, together. Absolutely. This. Um, but I know with all of your experience with art and everything, um, and like you said, you've collected the um, the piece for the Tennessee State Museum, the, one of my pieces, which was awesome. But... Is there any type of like visual art in your life or even if it's a photograph or anything visual in your life that you look at or see or experience that you feel represents you in a visual way? Wow. (laughs) That's a very deep dive question. And it might be like something in your home or like I said, it could even be a photograph from the past or painting. That represents me? Or that you, that speaks to you in some way really. Well, you know, I do have this one Suzanne Strike painting she um lives up on the tennessee virginia state border she's a great painter by the way if you don't know her work Suzanne you, should look, Strike? you should look her up we'll s-t-r-y-k i think okay. i might not we'll, we'll, we'll look her up, we'll look her up. anyway she's a terrific painter and um it's got a lot a lot of layers and a lot of texture and it's hanging where i see it every single day and every single day i think that is a great painting. Mm. Uh, one thing I would say about art mm-hmm. is that when it's successful, then and you look at it every single day, that you see something different every single time that you look at it, even if it's just an infinitesimal difference. Mm. And so, I obviously, also when you're looking at a painting, that is you're reflecting the truth back on what your truth is. Yes, yes. Right? That's where you're putting your experiences and your feelings into whatever it is the artist was trying to do. And see, I think I have a great eye Mm -hmm. and honed over many years. Right. And that I can walk, I can can walk in any place and instantly pick out what Mm -hmm. I think is the best painting. Mm, I believe it. Well, and like like I said, your fashion sense. In general, you walked in, oh, and I was just like, holy, you just always. Well, I had to br- wear bright color. I mean, you can't well. go to an artist studio looking drab. You know, it's going to be hard to stand out. So oh. you're going to have to wear something eye-popping and brilliant. I love it. And you look so 
so amazing today. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. It's good to be here with here. you. Oh, I have several people I think that you should have out to have one of these fascinating yes. conversations. And I hope the people out there that are listening have come away with this and gone, wow, that 55 minutes or 60 minutes, <laughs> that went by in a flash. Oh, yeah. Well, and hopefully everyone comes out of it with a new understanding and maybe questioning their own truth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a pretty loaded question. I think we've definitely definitely that. You know, so. you just um, keep your eyes open mm-hmm. and think deep. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lee. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And listeners, thank you for being here with us today. And I hope you all have a beautiful day as well. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation on truth. It really made us think. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as well as your responses to the question, what is truth? So look me up and share your thoughts and comments on the episode. You can find show notes at kayamis.com and connect with me on your favorite social media channels. Don't forget that I'm on Instagram and Facebook as at kayamisart. So thank you all again for joining us, leaving a review, and I hope to see you October 3rd at the opening.